easiest, most comfortable, most convenient things. Um, again, the path of least resistance are oftentimes the things we spend the most time on, but we actually get the least value out of. Right? So it's just a miscalculation, misunderstanding of where happiness actually comes from. They say home is where the heart is. So I wonder why your motherfucker always feeling heartless. Welcome to episode 60 of Doubly Negative. As always, I'm Chris here with my friend Kyle. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. So as you all can see, if you're watching on the YouTube, we are welcoming back our good friend, Nick. He is the only recurring guest in Doubly Negative history. You're the only one that's been on multiple times. Is that true? I hope so. I think so. <laughs> I really so, think so. For some reason, I don't feel like that's true. I feel like there was somebody else. Twice? Damn. No. I think you're the only one that's been on more than twice. And this is appearance number three now. Actually, technically, you've been on four episodes because we had that one super long one, too. That's true. We split uh, episode, yeah, two into yeah. two parts. So that's true. Damn. So you've been in four out of 60 episodes of W Negative. <laughs> I feel honored. Yeah, so do we. So do we. Um, so we didn't really discuss what we were going to talk about. We're just going to shoot from the hip. Um, normally, I feel like it's a trend that when um, you come on, normally it's after Kyle addresses a certain issue he's having currently in his life, and then you come on and you help him address it. Okay. And that's where we're we'll picking up where we left off. Is that what's last... happening here? <laughs> if that's a, It's just an idea I had in my head. Yeah. It seems um, to be a recurring theme. And I think you had mentioned it first. I don't think this is me pulling it out of my ass. So you're the smart one, not me. You mentioned it last week, I think. Damn, was a smart one. My, happened to my video. You are. Oh, wait, you fucked up? Am oh, I blurry? A little blurry. Damn. Maybe it'll come back on. I don't know what happened. It'll figure itself out, probably. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but yeah, you did mention this last time, Kyle, that you said Whoa. Nick always comes on after your problems. I, I, yeah, I, I did. I did. And uh, Nick, I heard a rumor that you already listened to episode 59. Is that correct? I did. I did. He's I mean, the most I'm prepared. A, per, right. He's more prepared than we are for any episode. And he's coming on. He's already listened to the previous episodes. And then he'll like take notes on the most yeah. recent before he comes on. So yeah, usually that is the, the go to. I actually didn't do that this time. I, uh, so yeah, we are kind of like shooting from the hip. So yes. if you notice a difference, that I'm not nearly as uh, as prepared this time around. You'll know why. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I did enjoy the conversation. Uh, attachment styles are actually like, Oh, I'm back. Hell yeah. I was waiting hey, for that the whole time. Nice. Here we go. I was almost uh, going to say something like, let's come on. All right. It's gone a little much. <laughs> yeah. No, but atta attachment styles are like one of my favorite conversations to have. So when you're, you're like going in on different attachment styles and even going as far into like where the attachment styles came from, like in the research and the studies and whatnot, which I mean, all was pretty spot on. So, um, it was, uh, I definitely enjoyed the, enjoyed the conversation. I definitely had feedback though, but, um, but I don't know. What, what were your, tell me about what you learned in your attachment style sort of uh, exploration here, research. Well, I mean, that wasn't already shared last time. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the really quick background is that there's three categories of attachment style secure is the one you want um and then avoidant and anxious are the big umbrellas for the other ones and uh according to some, to some online quizzes i know super legit yeah, yeah. and no, uh, i was curious what what the quiz was that you took because i wanted to take it in, a, in preparation but you guys oh, never yeah, actually yeah, yeah. said i kind of oh, wanted to log God on damn. and be like which one is mine 
I mean, I know which so one I, is mine. But. Do the quiz live, and you want you're going to talk about every single question and give us examples Ooh. from your childhood. <laughs> Please explain. Yeah, be uh, a peek behind the curtain. Of, yeah. On from the therapist, right? Yeah. Um, not generally one who discloses. Well, I'm actually much more transparent, I think, with my clients than most therapists. Most therapists are definitely like super hesitant about self-disclosing like their own yeah stuff. Um, I can I'm see one, you being I'm, that I'm guy. Pretty, I'm pretty much an open book. I mean, there's obviously limits to it, but yeah, um, of course. I'm not gonna tell them about my sex life and you know things like that. That's yeah. just absolutely. So not I was banging out my girlfriend. I was banging out my girlfriend the other day. <laughs> so that's and, the yeah, clearly not gonna. It has no place in a in a therapy session. It's not <laughs> not productive for anybody. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would say when it comes to uh, self disclosure, I'm definitely a little bit more lenient um, with it. But and, yeah, anyway. We're not going to have you go because there's a lot of questions on that test, more than I anticipated. Oh, really? Yeah. You guys were saying it was quick, but it was kind of quick. But I mean, I thought it was like, all right, next. There was four pages and like six questions on each page, maybe. It's relatively quick, but to have you do it here. Well, I found another one. That was the first one I took. But then I ended up on this subreddit for attachment theory. It's called r slash attachment theory. Hmm. and uh they have one that they recommend and these are people that have looked into it quite a bit and this is another free one but it's even a little bit longer and i ended up with the same result on that one uh which was dismissive avoidant and then everything i read about it and watched about it kind of does fit how i act Hmm. and how i think in relationships so then the more i read about that the more i just started getting scared basically Hmm. um and, uh, you know, it's helping me understand myself, which is better, but then also maybe giving myself, uh, yeah, worries and anxieties about the future. So yeah. I, I have a first question for you, Nick. We were kind of going back and forth last episode on if yeah. the attachment style is something you can break out of. Mm. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Take that um, fun to hear. Yeah, that was something that... <sighs> The, the takeaway for me was, so the word that you were using was like, can you heal your attachment style? Which I thought was an interesting way of phrasing it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. So you something you kind of alluded to was like secure attachment. That's sort of like the gold standard. That's like what we're all hoping to, to have when you're, you know, you're confident in yourself and you, you know, trusting of other people and, you know, you can securely attach to, to, to your partner. Um, you know, not everybody obviously is born with like securely attached. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why that is, but, um, but I like to think that we can work to get there. I don't know if we, not everybody's necessarily capable of getting like a hundred to be a hundred percent entirely secure within themselves and within their partner, but we can certainly be better than we are now in whatever attachment style that we are. Um, it takes time, it takes hard work, uh, things that I know Chris was kind of uh, hammering that home um in the That's last right. pod yeah uh so yeah i'm i mean and maybe call me an optimist i don't know um but i like to think um it just has a guiding sort of philosophy um that you that you know if you care about something enough you can make it happen um with it is that of backed course. up by real experience or experience with clients though because yeah oh of course i was just worried that um these are and and sorry to be an asshole and correct you a little bit but you said not everyone's born with a securely attachment style. Well, actually, it's something that comes about through development and through relationships, mm. right? That was my understanding that it usually yeah. comes from. Yeah. So, well, as is, of course, uh, it's as is most yeah, things. It, no, I was just say as as is most things, it comes from like our relationship with our parents and how we develop and 
all that kind of stuff. Um, exactly. The, based on how our parents, our parenting style is, um, you know, really like heavily influences which attachment style we tend to, to favor. Right. So, so like anything else, it's kind of on a spectrum. And if you're, let's say, slightly anxious or slightly avoidant, sure, it's going to be fairly, well, not easy, but it's going to be easier to mm. come to the center. But if you're dealing with like, and I'm, and I'm saying that I am, but mm-hmm. if you're dealing with like a lifetime of neglect and abuse, you're dealing with very deeply ingrained thought patterns and emotions that are not conscious decisions about how you act in relationships. Sure. Um, and what I was saying in the last podcast is that there's a, there's a couple fairly intelligent psychologists that say that these attachment styles cannot be changed. In relationships, you, you can do your best. Maybe you're going to, I don't know, make, make a little improvement, but this is the way that you react in certain situations. You're going to get triggered and that, that's how it is. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say the opposite and I, w- I just want to hear you expand on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so again, I guess it's a matter of what you classify as like, you can't change it. Um, that sure, like you're, so whatever your attachment style is, that's yeah, sort of initially how you're sort of programmed and hardwired that that's like your automatic thought is to lean into that particular attachment style. But just because that's the, the first thought that you have, like the automatic thought or the automatic reaction doesn't necessarily mean that has to be the one you respond to. Right. Um, so, you know, we can learn to like build awareness over my attachment style. What does it look like? How does it present itself? And when I have those reactions in real time, I can like give myself permission to like take a step back analyze that where's that coming from is that a, like a genuine fear or or whatnot or is this you know uh you know is this sort of the attachment style talking for lack of better phrasing right and if so we can challenge that and replace it with something more constructive of like you know if i was going to react this way uh in a you know in an anxious way or in an avoidant way or whatever the case um i can try to circumvent that and you know replace it with a different a different behavior that makes sense it's good but like but yeah to your point so so sure you're not necessarily changing the attachment style. It very well may still be kind of ingrained in you first and foremost, but as you go through that process enough times of challenging it, replacing those thoughts, with more constructive ones, yada, 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 the, those attachment styles don't nearly have as much control over, over you as they used to. Um, that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah. And that, that's basically what I've been trying to do too. Um, and so far it's been going fairly well. So, so one of the things that I think, I don't know if it's my attachment style or my personality, but probably both is like, I find it difficult to share feelings when I feel like they might upset my girlfriend. Mm. Um, so if, if, if I'm not feeling comfortable spending as much time as I am with her and I, and I want my own time, sometimes I feel like I'm going to hurt her by saying that. So in the, in the past, I haven't said it. Now I'm practicing saying it even though my attachment style, my instinct is don't say it, don't say it. I'm right. trying to say it more. Right. Well, and what is, the fear? Just, what is the fear if you do say it? Um, I guess on the surface level, I always think that it's like, I'm afraid to hurt her, but mm. probably deeper down, it's more about then she won't like me. Mm. It's a rejection. Uh, probably. Uh, and and just, just vulnerability. Yeah. yeah, probably. I think it's a good insight. I feel like it's a very Maybe. rational fear to have for most people. Like, I don't think if Michelle wanted to hang out, I just go, no, nah, I don't really want to, you know, I, I have that same, like, I don't want to make them feel bad. I feel like it's a very rational fear to have. 
but I did test and have the same attachment style as you. So maybe that's why. Is that normal? Oh, are you talking to me? I'm sorry. Whoever wants to listen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when you started talking, Chris, I just tuned you out. I'm here for Kyle. Yeah, we yeah. both just. All right. No. I'll uh, see you guys so, later. So, 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 yeah, you're saying that if Michelle wants to talk or wants to hang out or whatever, um, you don't want to hurt her feelings. So you feel obligated to, to hang out. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. I'm going to get questioned about that now, the way you just phrased it. So you don't want to hang out sometimes? Huh? <laughs> is that what I said, Nick? In the yeah. same way that sometimes it's a chore for you to make love with your wife, sometimes <laughs> it's a burden for you to spend time with her. That's what you're saying. That's not what you're, I'm saying. So there's there's some times when you'd rather be literally anywhere else but spending exactly. time with your wife. If, exactly. if anyone's wondering what Kyle's referencing, you can look up the episode Doing the Chores and you can get a little more insight there if you're just uh, joining us. Shit. But it's my words being twisted and manipulated to make me look like an asshole. And I, if, if you rec recognize what I'm saying here, that means it's a recurring theme because I just pointed out another episode where it happened and it's happening again. I do abuse you a little bit. I'm sorry. No, I like it. I'm here but for it's it. It's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. No, it is, it's a good time. It's it's all good fun. But so, I, I'm, so, off, so if, I'm off the rails. So, so if that was not, if that was a mis misinterpreted. That was misinterpreted. Uh, yeah. Good callback. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, wow, I should that, leave. If that was a misinterpretation, <laughs> uh, what what could you rephrase then? What it was you were trying, the message you were trying to get across, and I'll try not to, to fall asleep this time. Listen, I was sleeping for the first half hour. We joined the Zoom, and I'm like, oh yeah, well, let's get recording testing. And you guys are just like, yeah, Bali, I want to move to Bali. Oh, Bali. Snooze, snooze fest. Yeah, it's already been discussed. Mm. We've gotten requests to not hear about it anymore. <laughs> that's aggressive no it was that one request and I, the, the gang gets critiqued it was aggressive um i guess i'm saying i feel like it's a rational fear to have that like oh no i don't feel like hanging out with you right now like obviously there are times where she's like hey you want to watch a movie i go i'm gonna go play fifa right but it's different i guess for us because we live in the same house you know i'll just walk out there do my you know gamely check-in hey honey how's it going and then Boom, back in here to play some FIFA. For you, it's different where you're not living with your girlfriend, Kyle. It's like, a, hey, you want to hang out? Let's go get some food. And you say, no, I don't want to do that. Because I'm still physically in their presence. I'm not very far away from Michelle, you know? Right. So I feel like it's a lot. There's more well, stakes in the situation that Kyle's in, I guess. I mean, it's a different scenario for sure. Um, but but yeah, I guess what you're getting at too is definitely something that's a hallmark of avoidant attachment, which is like tend to like rationalize your own feelings and like or just deny your feelings and because uh, you don't want to have the confrontation. Um, so like you know, so the example you gave there, it's like maybe you just you know instead of uh, instead of saying like no, I don't want to hang out with you, maybe you do just to avoid the confrontation. Yeah. Yeah, so Chris, um, let's let's turn the spotlight on you for a minute, because because mm. you did get the same damn results that I did, and I, and I know you said maybe your results were different for your parents than they were for your relationship, but oh. yeah, I think good. you must have some of the same thought patterns, feelings that I do to some extent. Uh, yeah. So go, go on, tell tell us about mm. your fucking your fucked upness. Well, one thing I didn't really think about, really, um, as far as confrontation when nick used that word that kind of popped out to me because i usually avoid confrontation at all costs i'll just mm. bury that in the back and not talk about it because i just don't want to upset the the ecosystem yeah really 
Is that not a normal thing to do? I just thought that was something everybody did. That's my dumb brain. Oh, no. Some people lean into that confrontation. Some people love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely people who, who really like thrive off of confrontation, thrive off the drama. Yeah. But I just, I'm always like, no, do not want to deal with it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Which makes sense. Again, with, if you did fall into the more avoidant attachment style, right? Because mm. you will avoid <laughs> things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, whether that be confrontation, whether that be emotions, whether that be vulnerability, your partner, whatever the. You know. And this will be like really the on the pop psych side, but mm. I love pop psych one one. Hypothetically speaking, this came from some sort of childhood situation, or or when you were developing your, your attachment style, where your the figure in your life that provided safety and security and love would get upset you would do your best to placate them. And that was how you gained acceptance or approval or whatever. So, so now when, when you have confrontation, you don't lean into it because that does not get the right outcome. It, it, that's what you found in your earlier life that you do, you do not want conflict. That makes things worse. It makes things better. It gives you love when you fix it. So now whenever somebody in your life is mad, that's, that's what you do. You, you don't, want to make it worse you want to you want to fix it and that means putting your own needs aside you don't want to express your own feelings because your feelings don't matter as much as theirs and this i know i went totally into pop psych but does that does any of that make sense that makes a lot of sense because i, I remember even as a kid i was like the golden child and i didn't do anything that i knew would upset my parents because i didn't want to upset them so i took almost no risks whatsoever because i didn't want to have that confrontation was afraid of that confrontation yeah I, I do like that you're pointing out the fact that just attachment styles are different like different types of relationships bring about yeah. a different kind of attachment style because yeah the the, the way you, you formulate attachments with a friend may be very different from a parent from a a partner from your boss whatever the case is it typical to see some of like uh say your attachment style with the relationship with your parents is it normal to see similarities throughout attachment styles in other relationships is there usually a correlation um i, I admittedly don't know if there's i'm sure there's probably studies on it i mean kind of uh, a loaded question i know yeah, yeah um i don't know if there's like just because i'm you know uh, anxious attachment you know styled towards my parents or whatever um doesn't necessarily mean that translates but i mean i would guess it's probably more more common that you would stick to the same attachment style than then be different um because that's yeah. kind of how initially sort of how you're hardwired but um but yeah i mean you're kind of regardless your attachment style uh again towards partners friends whatever um is still heavily influenced by your relationship with your parents and what that parenting style was like too um so somebody who's more you know more avoidant attachment generally falls under the category of like yeah, of having kind of unstable household sort of situation. Typically, only like some of your needs were met um, emotionally or physically. Um, so um, you sort of had to learn to sort of take care of yourself in a lot of ways because um, you weren't always necessarily like didn't necessarily know when you were going to get love and affection and care and and whatnot, which tends to then lead you to be more of like a lone wolf, right? I'm more you know I can take care of myself. I need my my autonomy, my independence, my freedom um uh, as you kind of get older right um yeah and makes it challenging to then formulate relationships with partners but also with friends even right because if you're just a lone wolf generally 
you're also not going to have a ton of friends either because it's like, who needs them, right? Yeah, and I guess um, you grow comfortable being in that lone wolf mindset. So yeah, that's where you want to be because that's what you're used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas like somebody who's more anxious attachment, they, you know, their relationship with their parents is definitely different. Um, where, uh, I, well, I guess it's similar in a lot of ways where it's definitely still inconsistent, um, in, inconsistent care. Um, but it, it just like develops differently in that it's more of like a, a like waiting up for that other person. Like you're, it sort of develops into this more of like, there's a void within me that like, I need somebody else to fill kind of thing, um, when it comes to your relationships, um, which is a little bit, again, a little bit different. Um, uh, like a sort of sense of like always feeling empty. Yep. Um, and then I'm, I'm constantly looking for somebody to sort of fill that emptiness within me to make me feel whole. Cause I'm by myself, not good enough as is. Um, so I need, I'm my best self when somebody else is lifting me up basically. Um, to sort of fill the, the void. Side? That's anxious attachment. Yeah. Okay. And have so you looked the- much into anxious attachment, Kyle, or did you just stick in your lane, dismissive avoid when like doing more research on it? Cause admittedly I haven't done much at all. Yeah. I basically stuck to, to my issues, but um, a, a lot of what you see on the subreddits and other communities is you see a lot of relationships that form between people with anxious styles and people with avoidance styles. Mm. It's like, they seem to attract each other. Yeah. So that's actually while, yeah. while I was thinking about it, it's like I was reading about both because of that. And um, yeah, and I, I, I think I think Nick's going to get into that in a second. But I just wanted to say one thing real quick about um, I think what you said, Chris, before when we we're discussing conflict and you said, isn't everybody like that? Man, that was one of my biggest realizations in so many of these things. And yeah. I, I had a, I had a moment just now where I remembered something where I was talking to one of my friends. And I was like, yeah, I just always like, I feel comfortable alone. Isn't everybody like that? And he's like, no, I feel very uncomfortable when I'm alone. And it's like, damn, we we're all like very different in certain ways. But I just, I just thought about that. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the, the facts that avoidant and anxious people are attracted to one another is so interesting to me too. Um, yeah. Why? But, but like studies do sort of back that up. I mean, and just anecdotal evidence back that up. Um, cause it, 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 uh, that's sort of like the opposites attract sort of thing. Like there's definitely some psychology and sort of science behind it. Um, somebody who's more anxious attachment, um, you know, um, sort of idolizes somebody who's more of a lone wolf, right? Like, cause I'm so needy. I'm so like, you know, codependent that I'm looking for somebody who has what I perceive as like all this strength and independence and, you know, they, they, they don't care about any, what anybody thinks and they can do their thing, you know, whatever. Um, so that's what sort of drives they, like looking for, you know, you to pull maybe some of those qualities out of me, or that's, that's somebody who I need to lean into because they got their shit figured out right from optically. It looks like they got their shit figured out when I'm just a big anxious mess and I'm so emotional and X, Y, and Z. Um, whereas somebody who's more, um, more avoidant, um, which I'm, I feel like I'm also kind of burying the lead. Cause I don't think I, either one of you are actually avoiding attachment, but, um, <laughs> but, um, lead buried. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but so, but somebody who's more, more avoidant, um, there's definitely t- generally speaking, somebody who's more avoidant. There's also like an arrogance to it. Um, and, um, and it feels good to f- like, feel like I'm better than my partner. Um, 
kind of thing. Like a sort of, I have to take care of them. Um, it's kind of kind of what you would call alpha male, almost. Yeah, yeah, or alpha yeah, yeah. female. Um, maybe I don't know if it necessarily was like fits that like definition. Um, yeah. But um, I, I think there's something like I'm, I'm, str- you know, somebody who's more avoidant is like I'm, I'm strong and independent, and I don't need anybody like kind of thing that there's definitely something that they get out of like being in a relationship where somebody needs them. Cause it kind of yeah. confirms to them like, Oh yeah, I got my shit figured out. And I'm, I know, am the shit. Yeah. Right. I, oh yeah. I am the shit. Like, this person is all over me. Like yeah. clearly I am the shit. No one. And that, and and that so, person's all over them really because they have anxious uh, avoidant or not anxious uh, attachment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so that's, and I'm more curious to get your guys thoughts on that, but does that when it's, so when I'm describing somebody who's avoidant, somebody who's, generally kind of tends to be kind of a lone wolf likes their independence and autonomy but oftentimes kind of has an arrogant sort of tone to it um does that sound like you guys not me i'll say that right now Mm. i yeah no not at all for me for me um i don't know if there's arrogance attached to it but the the lone wolf part yeah definitely Mm um where so i wanted to bring another point in um sometimes from what i've read about attachment styles and all these things like forming relationships based on childhood trauma etc it's not even like what helps us and what feels good but what feels comfortable because it's what we experienced so much uh Mm. as a child so so sometimes something that might feel like it might seem like it would feel good like close connection with someone actually feels uncomfortable because it's not what we had. And I was thinking about it last night. And it's like, I spent a lot of time alone when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't even really remember because this is something Chris talked about. I think another thing that characterizes people with attachment styles is like, or avoiding attachment styles is like, sometimes it's hard to remember things from childhood. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's an attachment style thing or not, but just mention that. I don't even really remember why I was alone so much, but I spent a lot of time alone. And now I just, I generally feel more comfortable alone. Even when I have like my best friends and stuff, I can spend several hours with them, but I always just kind of want to get alone. Yeah. Yeah. And some of it's also like introvert versus extrovert, which are kind of connected to attachment styles for sure too. But um, you may be just hardwired in a way to be more of like introverted, like anyway, but that's not necessarily um, like you don't have to be fall into one particular attachment style you know, and like, you could be introverted and be anxious attachment. You could be introverted and be, um, avoidant attachment, you know, whatever the case, but, um, but yeah, uh, so you said that you're always, you always remember being, but kind of by yourself being, being alone. Um, what was your, your household sort of like, I mean, not to get all like super therapy on you, but. Oh, that's okay. Um, I remember, so both my parents were supporting in most ways and actually individually they were supporting in, in all ways, mm-hmm. but they really didn't like each other mm. um, for most of my childhood. So there was no, basically I think there was an air of discomfort when, we, when they were in the same household and there was a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing and 
essentially, I think they both agree now that they should have gotten divorced like 10 or 15 years before they did. Sure. Um, so I think just trying to remember, we're trying to like put the pieces of the puzzle together. I think I was probably just trying to get away from that a lot of the time, going in my room, going downstairs, going outside or something like that. And I think, I think that's probably what was going on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, I think that, that checks out. It makes a lot of sense that there's, even though they were supportive of you, there was still like this like layer of like tension and stress and, and whatnot that kind of bled, bled through and you internalize that. Right. Um, cause we're just, we're just big sponges. We just soak up, especially as kids. Um, we soak up all kinds of information, both consciously, but also like unconsciously, right. Even if there wasn't fighting going on, um, you know, you could still like feel the tension in the room between the two of them kind of thing, which is more of like an unconscious thing. Um, but, um, but that makes sense. And, uh, and Chris, I remember in the last pod, um, you kind of had alluded to, like, you don't even remember what you're like, don't remember much about your childhood. You, you thought you, at least what you remember, you thought you remember it being good. Yeah. For the most part, it seemed okay. It just got bad towards the end, mm. but like, I really don't remember much of my childhood at all mm. do you remember your parents being there i mean my dad traveled a lot in the beginning and my mom was pretty much always there but i mean i guess i spent a lot of time in my room just being they they kind of argued a lot too but i don't think it was on the level of kyle's parents um so i don't know i did spend a lot of time by myself in my room i guess and I eventually moved down to the basement where I pretty much never left. So I was down there all the time and not seeing them. So I was a little bit of a hermit towards as time went on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and something that I'm going back and forth between the two of you, but something Kyle had said last, uh, last pod too. It's like um, couples therapy. I know, right? <laughs> I know. And I actually don't usually do couples therapy. Um, this is your first uh, time. Yeah. Or fourth time. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've Chris and I are trying to work through it. <laughs> It's going no, uh, well, but there are times where I question things. And Kyle yeah. obviously questions things too, because I mean, look how he talks. <laughs> well, okay, no, well, one of the things that you had said was, um, which stood out to me, was like you're, because you had asked a similar kind of question of like, you know, what was your relationship like with your parents or, or what was your, your childhood like or whatever. And, um, or if they had been, were they there for your, you know, for your baseball games and, you know, things like that. And you had actually said, like, I, I think my perception of it is actually it's more about your perception versus the reality. And that sort of hit, that's like spot on too. Whether they were actually there or not, sometimes can be almost entirely irrelevant. Um, it's more of like the perception of were they there um, kind of thing, like more like emotionally there, um, uh, sometimes more than physically there. But again, everybody's a little bit different sometimes. Um, as long as you're there in person, like physically, um, that's all that all that matters. But, um, but the fact that you said your dad was, was sort of never there, Chris, or it was always out. Um, maybe there's something to that. Yeah. I feel like that makes sense. Mm. Why well, was it? What, what was it? I'm sorry. I don't Thank know. Both of you to talk at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I think uh, cut out. <laughs> you, you said, uh, your, your dad was traveling, Chris. Why? For work. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah, so it was like, uh, oh, going to Florida for seven days, going to North Carolina for a couple weeks, and sometimes it was multiple weeks in a month. So he was out and about a lot. And my, and speaking of like basketball games and stuff, if anyone was gonna go, it was mostly him. I don't think my mom like ever went 
because I remember now that we're talking about it, always being like, "Hey, you should come. Like, you you should come. You'd have felt like come come watch." And like she's never did. Mm. So that makes sense now that we're talking about it. This is why therapy is good. You start bringing out these memories. <laughs> there we go. You talk it through. <laughs> yeah, and Nick, I think um, you were just kind of jerking me off about this point because I was right about it. I appreciate that. It felt great. And now mm. I'm going to jerk you off too about the same point because I think you're making me realize it. It's, a, it's the same thing on a deeper level, but you said the thing about how we're all sponges mm. and how maybe there wasn't even that much fighting. I think you're absolutely right. And like, I'm thinking about now our dad's traveling, right? I think my dad was only traveling like one week a month at most. Mm. But when I look back in the past, I think my dad was traveling all the time. So it's like maybe those times when he was traveling, th that like hit hard some, for some reason. It left a bigger yeah. imprint. And it's like those fights hit hard too. Maybe there was only one fun fight every few months. I don't know. But maybe that fight hit so hard mm. where it like is, yeah, more, it comes to the front of the memory more. Sure. Like, yeah, like those memories, you know, the sponge, the sponge effects, those ones soaked up more than the, the regular everyday, like, oh, they were both there for my, for my basketball game or whatever the case. Um, yeah. Those other moments sort of seem to carry more weight than the others. Yeah. And I'm just thinking now how like, it sucks to be a parent, huh? Yeah, it's tough. Oh, like, it seems pretty much yeah. impossible. Have, have it you, seems um, impossible. Uh, do either of you guys watch the show This Is Us? This is oh uh, no oh my I don't God. think I have. Don't oh you throw God. your hands up in disgust. That don't you show. Dare. All right, for my money, that's the best show on television. It's not close. That show is so right. so good. You're setting um, the bar. High. you realize I'm, Soprano exists. Sopranos exist. Uh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, well, technically, they're actually they're done because they this is the last season and they just put it out, which I haven't actually no spoilers. I haven't actually seen the last season, but um, but that show crushes it. It's like it's a drama. I mean, it's a drama show, um, but it's just super brief uh, synopsis. I don't know if you know what it's about, but it's about like these three triplets um, who um, one of them's adopted and is black and the, uh, the rest of the family's white and they're growing up in Pittsburgh and um, like sort of the perception versus reality sort of in, in how parenting sort of, you know, contributes to their development it's, i mean it's so there's so much psychology in it and it's like the most well-written show ever i mean every single episode will like makes you cry either like happy tears or sad tears every episode it's a i mean it oh my god so good so, i just so, so, so good i just want to say i'm looking it up and the genre it falls under is tragedy oh it's so good <laughs> it doesn't it's say so drama good. it just says tragedy yeah so there's definitely so it's definitely a pretty like well-rounded show though there's there's some tragedy there's also a lot of like you know comedy some rom-com stuff like there's a lot of like different elements to it for sure but um if you're like looking for a show that's like super tied into like psychology parenting um like human development um perception of, of event i mean oh that show is so 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 good how but, much are they paying you uh, I, they don't i, <laughs> I just... wish oh my god but if i could be affiliated with that show in some oh, it's so good but I, um, they knew you were coming on this the show and they know how large it is and yeah the audience exactly. that we reach so i mean how much i want to know yeah but um but it kind of speaks to kind of what you're just saying there though like perception versus reality oh well perception is reality um of like you know how they kind of have this perception of who their parents really were and then that sort of morphs throughout the course of the show and oh it's so good it's just so 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 good um i don't even know where i was going with that uh, i have this is us on the brain it's so good um i gotta watch the, the most recent episode um or the most recent season rather but um anyway 
that's my uh, my recommendation is to watch this is us it got great reviews <laughs> i don't know how much i trust reviews anymore though all right well I this think... is this is a full-throated uh, you know recommendation full-throated you... <laughs> i think that's an expression <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sounds sexual <laughs> uh, yeah it's great you like it so much you, it. you gave it the full throat yeah mm. i'm gonna give it a try <laughs> i want to get my throat on there too yeah <laughs> okay. i want to not just get my throat on it i want to sit in uh, and really enjoy it you know yes well this comes yeah it's a good it's an endorsement how it's a, a po- very positive endorsement chris how about that okay i'll allow it i'll allow it um so you buried the lead and i think you started to to dig I'm it up buried, a little yeah. bit but could you just un- mm. undig that lead? Yeah, yeah keep so, unburying. Yeah, so I was kind of curious um, when you, especially Kyle, um, just based on your description that you came away saying that you're more like avoidant attachment. Um, because, and you actually well, started by saying there's three attachment styles, which I would disagree with, that I would argue that there's actually four. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And so the fourth, so the fourth one, so, all right, so we kind of already highlighted secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment. Um, but then there's a, a fourth category, um, which I would call like fear, like fearful avoidant or like anxious avoidant, where it's kind of a combination of the other, like anxious attachment and avoidant attachment. Um, and that like your description of what it was going on in your mind is like to a T exactly what a definition for fear, like anxious attachment or anxious avoidant or fearful avoidant. I usually call it fearful avoidant um, attachment style when it's, when you, um, so you're very sort of like ambivalent or not necessarily, yeah, ambivalent actually is a good word where you sort of equally want like crave intimacy, but also want to like run away from it at the same time. Um, Like that, you kind of said that exactly that you're like, I, you know, I love love and I just want to be in love and I want to find somebody, but I also like don't want to be held down. I want to like have my independence and my autonomy. Um, it's a combination of both of those two, you can see, right. The first part, like, you know, I want to be with my partner and I want to be loved and I want to be held and I want to be, you know, get the reassurance. And I want, you know, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person and be happy in X, Y, Z, which is more of your anxious attachment. But then the avoidant piece is like, yeah, but I also want to right, run for the hills and I want my autonomy, my independence. I want to be able to do my own thing. I don't want to be tied down. Um, I don't want to be vulnerable. Um, and so as a result, you can imagine how that would be lead to a lot of conflict um, when it comes to you, I can imagine your, like your own yeah, like inner imagine. inner conflict, like inner conflict, but then also like external conflict with your partner as well, because you live in like a conflicting world where um, where you you want both both things, which you can't have both things at the same time, right? You can't have complete autonomy and you know complete like whatever codependence, I guess, on the extreme end, right? You can't have both of those things at the same time, so that creates this like whirlwind of emotions, which leads you to question everything and not know what you want. Um, have you know, potentially have a lot of insecurities. You actually kind of hinted towards uh, last time too about like dependent. You're really influenced by whoever was the last person you spoke to, which again, because it's like I don't even know what I want. But you know, so if somebody else says something like, "Oh, well, that makes a good point," like maybe that's actually how I feel. And then somebody else says the counterpoint, like, "Actually, you're right. That's probably how I feel." It's like this whole like whirlwind of, of different emotions kind of pointing you in different directions. And then in a uh, in a dating like relationship as well, it creates this like push pull kind of dynamic um as you as you can imagine because again like the avoidant part of you push pushes that person away but then the anxious part of you is trying to pull that person back in which leaves that other person like very confused and unsure of their their place um and how you how you really feel about them um and uh you know somebody who's falls under that kind of the fearful avoidant 
umbrella. Um, they're oftentimes the people who, um, if you've heard of these people, or maybe you guys are these people yourselves, who uh, are in a relationship and like, you know, uh, whenever there's a conflict, um, it always devolves into like, maybe we should just break up then. Um, where you, what you, in your mind, you don't actually want to break up, but you're pushing that person away. The avoidant part is coming out of you with the hope that that person is going to say like, no, 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 I still want to be with you and kind of pulls you back in kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and I just actually had a conversation earlier today with an, a client who said a similar thing. And I'm like, oh, attachment styles, there we go. Um, but, uh, but yeah, sorry, I just went on a, a long rant about that. But what are some thoughts? Oh my, um, sorry, I just had to unplug the battery. Okay. Um, that's what my girlfriend Tika said, uh, because she started looking into the stuff too. And she sent me these videos about fearful avoidance. And I was watching them. And I was like, well, that's great. But I got the dismissive avoidant. And uh, she said, yeah, but you seem more like this. And I was like, well, I'm just based on the test scores. I don't even know. And funny enough, that kind of goes to what you said. Like, I don't know. I just went by what you said. Now what you said. Now now that you said this, Nick, I, I totally agree with you. That sounds perfect. That's, that's She's fist pumping right now and then going, wait, why the fuck is he listening to him and not me? I said this earlier. <laughs> Uh, no, well, yeah, uh, it, it could be like there's also like different elements of each, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah, we're never going to be like perfectly aligned with one or the other. There's going to be tendencies that sort of bleed into others, but but what you said makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I, I mean, you you heard me talking last time. That's that's unfiltered. That's what's really going through my mind. So if that fits that style, then yeah, probably. Well, I mean, the description that I gave does that like does some of that stuff kind of sound like like you? Yeah. Some of it, I mean, some of it, I was just kind of like taking almost a word, well, not word for word, but as much of it, uh, my recollection of what you said last time, but. Yeah, the things that you said that I said, that sounds like something that I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but is there any, so like as a, you know, as a professional in this field, is there any, what would you recommend that I do? Mm, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fix him, Nick. Yeah. 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 You have a few minutes. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, I mean, I guess it goes back to kind of what we said earlier that we need to first, the first part is just having the awareness of what, what this is all about. Um, and may, maybe it's worth. Oh. oh, no, that son of a bitch. I think his battery died. Oh, fuck. So. <laughs> this is all staying in. Um, I wonder Good. if I have to resend him an invite. Probably. Um, no, actually, if he's already got the email link, he should be good. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think his computer died because I heard him say he had to unplug his battery and then plug it back yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you're the new co-host of Doubly Negative. Here we go. <laughs> Bye, Kyle. <laughs> I'm um, Chris here with my friend, Nick. Here with my friend, Nick. How are you? Uh, good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing that's good. I say that's usually the always the go-to response. Yeah. So um, I'm doing really well. I, um, I kind of wanted Kyle to be here for this too, but, um, oh, we'll bring I it mean, up we can, twice. I say, I mean, we could save it. I mean, if this, this is, we got actually... to fill some time. Yeah. Edit Kyle does the edits and oh, it doesn't damn. take much time doing it. He just cuts off the beginning and he cuts off the very end when I lean in <laughs> like this to try to find the record button. And that's it. So, that's nice. um, my therapist broke up with me. No way. 
on accident. Well, not on accident, oh. but not because oh, of no. anything between me and her, because she's moving on to a new job. Oh, no. Yeah. So where she did she say where she's going? Yeah, but I forgot. Um, doing something better with better benefits. It's works some corporation she's working with. Corporation, not corporation. Like agency. I don't know. I, she's gonna be like an advocate for mental health. Some I don't know. I'm not sure where. Okay. I don't know. That's all I remember. Um, oh, no. oh, so that's that's so disappointing. Is that yeah. you've been you've been going pretty strong. Oh, I have been going strong. We got Kyle's oh. back. Your battery died, didn't it? Oh no! Did okay. your bat Did your battery die? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew it was gonna because you were like leaning forward and plugging it in and unplugging it. Like it's about yeah. to talk. You'd unplug it. Yeah. You exactly. son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. I'll just leave it in for now, even though I'm gonna stutter sometimes. So far, so good. But I was telling okay. Nick that my therapist broke up with me. I had messaged oh, yeah. you earlier. We can get back to what we were talking about, and we'll save that conversation for later, I guess. Because you were on a roll there, Nick. Oh, I mean, um, yeah. I, well, I think the question you'd asked was like, "What can I do about it?" And um, oh yeah, fix kind it. Of, and then well, I left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What can I do? <laughs> yeah, that's you avoiding us again. Yeah, that's that's, that's the push, that, dude. That, there it my, is. That's my avoidant tendencies kicking in. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Kind of going back to what we said earlier. Um. First. First part is the awareness, and there maybe it may be worth like unpacking more about where that kind of comes from too. Um. Like where that fear kind of ultimately stems from, uh, which a lot of that I think you kind of already under like already got there, um, but it may be kind of putting a lot of those pieces together. But um, but yeah, and then just implementing skills to to challenge negative thoughts, replace them with something more constructive. You know, uh, really when it comes to like our relationships, um, you know, if this is somebody that we feel that we can trust, um, then like we kind of. We have to challenge our those thoughts that say that they're, they're you know not somebody who's trustworthy or somebody you, sh- you shouldn't be vulnerable with or, but I mean, it's, like it's also uh, uh, depending on what the the issue is. I mean, it may be may require a different response. Um, it's like maybe the anxious part is sort of kicking in in this moment, or maybe the avoidant part is kicking in. They may require different kinds of skills, but um, but that's I mean, there's a lot to that. Um, I think that's. Do you worse. have any? familiarity with EFT EFT yeah it's like a tapping no actually yeah I was watching some videos with some woman who was discussing healing uh healing fearful avoidant attachment style and it's like you tap on these acupressure points while you're saying affirmations so it's like even though I'm afraid of love I love Mm -hmm. and accept myself and I don't know. Apparently, it's an evidence-based uh, method. Yeah. I, I looked about it a little bit, um, so yeah, thought I'd ask you about it. Yeah, emotionally focused therapy. So the tapping looks like it's just like a uh, an approach that they use. Um, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, I wonder if it's similar to. Um, they do kind of like a similar thing. I mean, it's not tapping, but it's kind of a similar thing to to process trauma um where like the uh eye movement um uh emdr i don't know if you're familiar with that it's like um so they they found that there's like different like movements um that when your eyes focus on them while you're talking through your trauma it actually helps you process your trauma better um all and it's just like 
I don't know, like kind of something goes back and forth in front of your, your eyes. And if you like focus on it while you're processing your trauma, uh, it actually helps you like unlock these like places in your mind that sort of you, you know, and put down that trauma that you otherwise couldn't. Um, it's kind of very interesting, but it's, it sounds like it's maybe a similar. Do you think that's because tapping. you're kind of putting your brain on autopilot there? Like you're focusing on something else and you're kind of just letting your brain work it out for you without consciously avoiding those things. Yeah. I feel like trauma is something that's very common for people to kind of like push that down and kind of not talk about it. And in some cases, forget it entirely. Yeah. Well, there's also something very like therapeutic about like the rhythm of like going back and forth too. Um, not just going back and forth, but there's, there's definitely just like rhythm in, in general, things that seem to fall into place. Um, there's definitely something kind of like therapeutic about that. Even like journaling while it's a helpful tool for self-reflection, obviously. Also just the act of writing it down. There's like some like fluidity to the movements, which is also like helpful in like unlocking things too. Um, so I think there's probably something to that too, psychologically. Um, maybe it mimics our uh, brain waves or something like that, like sort of the fluidity of it or our neural pathways or something like that, um, that our brain's able to like tap into and unlock the file cabinets of our minds. Um, EMDR is admittedly not something I'm like, in, like super well-versed in to be fair, uh, but it's, I know it's an evidence-based model that seems to really work for trauma, but it's sort of a niche thing. You kind of have to be trained in it. It takes, you know, it's a specialty for sure, but anyway. Kyle, you look like you're deep in thought. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, um, sometimes I wonder if these things like tapping or EMDR are just like, they're just things you can do instead of going into your own thought loops. So sometimes I wonder if what you're doing even really matters. Like you said, like journaling or, or whatever. It's like when you're doing that, you're focused on the process of something. So you're staying present. Whereas the alternative would be to just go through your thought loop. So I don't know. Some, sometimes I wonder when, when, when things like that get mentioned, like, does, does it even really matter what you're doing? Or is it just that you're not going down those rabbit holes? Mm. Um, well, no, because I mean, in the, like when you're doing EMDR, you're talking through your trauma while you're doing it. So you're like going to that vulnerable place, emotionally vulnerable place and, and, but there's just something about sort of like the rhythm and the fluidity of the, mm. the movement back and forth that helps like unlock it and allow you to like, let it go. Um, like kind of like unconsciously. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if there's even a, like I'm sure they hypothesize why that's the case, but I, I think it's still kind of an ongoing science um, that the human mind is just so complex and, you know, interesting. Um, you can't really understand everything there is to know about it because we're just, I mean, we have a very, in, you know, infantile understanding of, of the human mind, despite doing this for a long time, you know, and being on this planet for a long time. We, there's a lot that we don't know, more that we don't know than what we do know, for sure. Well, well as a moron that doesn't know much of anything, that, that kind of therapy seems useful and it makes sense to me. Yeah. EMDR, you said it was? EMDR, yeah. Um, EMDR. So, um, yeah, e EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization Re Realization. That's, I think, what it stands for. I'm going to look into that because it does sound very interesting and it kind of makes sense the way you described it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's like a, it's a niche though. Like there's only a handful of therapists or psychologists, whatever, that are, are trained in it. Um, I've never heard of it. Not that I'm 
looking up different methods of you know healing trauma often mm. on the internet but i that's something i've never even heard about and i took one psychology class at ccri so i think i would have heard about it if it wasn't so, such a niche thing yeah well uh i'm i'm curious to know more about your uh your your, your therapy you know being being broken up with oh yes we can we can pivot um yeah so she broke up with me she said she's moving on to a, a new job we should clickbait the title of this and say chris is going through a breakup nick comes to, and they're gonna be like oh my god what the fuck happened and then yeah they're gonna get to almost the hour mark and be like oh with the start this son of a bitch <laughs> um but, but it's like the the um when when kyle did that uh like it was like 20 minutes into the episode where we were all convinced that that he cheated and it was really just yeah, yeah. Got, me, got me fucked up i was like at the edge of my seat like no he didn't no i was so upset with him i was happy after he tricked me and said it was with food yeah and not on his girlfriend but yeah. the whole time i was just like all right Kyle, go ahead I, I was going through for like listening for the first time i was on a walk through my neighborhood just like li- like pacing as i'm listening like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> he's like walking faster like where the fuck is that's so funny uh, um but yeah, she's she's got she got a new job, my therapist, doing something else. So she asked me if I wanted to have her refer me to someone else in the building or just go out and look. And I said, I'll give you that answer next time I come here because I have one more session with her scheduled. Okay. I think just for the ease of things and making sure I still go regularly, I'm just going to get a reference from her because knowing me, I'll be like, oh, I'll look around and maybe see what fits me best. I won't do it. And then yeah. my wife will be like, what the fuck are you doing? And then she'll find it for me. And then I'll just take the easy route and have her reference me. Yeah. To somebody there. And you guys see different therapists, right? Me and Michelle? Yeah. 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 They're not allowed to, like, I mean, another one she sees was like, yeah, I can't see your husband too. Unless it's couples therapy, which we're not in. But she was like, yeah, then it's a conflict. And yeah, it's a rule of thumb. That's, that's good code of ethics following. Yeah. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I had a, that's a tricky sort of gray area in ethics, but um, I, I agree with that perspective for sure. Yeah. But. Although I'm trying to look at the positive side of this almost kind of, oh, well, I've only seen one therapist. Maybe I'll see something else in this other person that I get referred to. And maybe I'll like that. Maybe that'll work better for me. Their style of not saying, cause I liked the lady I was going to. I felt very comfortable with her. She was awesome. Yeah. But, you know, it's the only one I know. And so that's the only, that's, that's where the bar is. That's the, that, that is my bar. I don't know anything else. So maybe I'll find something else elsewhere. So I'm kind of taking it like that rather than like, oh no, I have to go meet someone new and go through all this again. I'm trying to be more like positive about it. Yeah. Does it hurt? The breakup? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Nick would 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 know what i'm talking about i mean i i don't even really know i've only seen one therapist but that's uh that's an attachment mm. and a therapist leaving you could trigger like abandonment trauma or like feelings of all sorts of that shit right like that must you must feel something about that no it is a bummer and i'd be lying if i said it didn't get like a little anxiety when she said that i was like oh fuck but you know I'm understanding about it. I know it's like she's doing it for she's not putting her needs aside for the sake of the guy that comes once a month, you know, 
which I completely understand. So I'm very understanding, but there is part of the, oh man, that kind of sucks. But trying to look at it in the light of, I get to try something else, see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I like that that sort of positivity, sort of positive spin to it. Yeah. Um, seeing it as like a new opportunity to potentially talk to somebody new and maybe they have new skills and new insights and yeah. perspectives for me. That, and if that doesn't work out, then I keep looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if you already had one therapist who had one particular style, like you can kind of pull a lot of those, you know, carry a lot of those sort of skills with you. But then maybe this new person has a whole different sort of set of skills to, to implement. It's like, all right, so now I have the those old skills and I also have these new skills and I can kind of like weave them together to create my own sort of like coping mechanism there, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. I'm excited, bummed, whatever. We must move on. Um, I will well, say another, another little update. Chrissy's exercising again. Yeah, oh. I, I hit a breaking point. I hit my breaking point. So as you know, I've been complaining about a groin issue for the last, what, 10 episodes? <laughs> um, At least. Still here, but I said, fuck it. I'm going to work through it. I'm starting to take stretching a little more seriously. So it started a few days ago. Three, day, three days. I started exercising three days ago. Right. So I'm saying it now to keep myself accountable. Started exercising three days ago. It started with just me thinking, all right, I'm going to stretch, see how I feel. And then that turned into like some like push ups, some kettlebell stuff, and some bands. So I was just like moving a little bit. So the next day, I said, I'm going to start running every day. I started running, testing out the groin because I want to get back to soccer. I don't like not doing anything. And let me tell you, I've had like Achilles pain. It just, it felt sore and I wasn't doing anything all the time. And I was like, I think my Achilles are just fucked up. But just running for one day and doing one day of stretching, I have no pain anymore. I think they were just solidifying, saying, you're a piece of shit. I'm going to turn to stone if you're not going to use me. So I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. Nice. Yeah. And it kind of makes me think, like, in the moment, I don't think I was in a down place or in a rut at all. But now that I'm exercising and stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so much better. And I'm so much more willing to do this stuff. It makes me think, was I kind of down because of how much better I feel now? Or is it just because I'm actually doing the correct things now? It's making me perceive those past couple months as me being in a rut. Because hmm. I didn't realize it. Like, I don't, I don't know if I was. But I just feel a lot better now that I'm actually doing stuff. Right. Yeah. Or whether there was actually a, a rut or not. Um, yeah. It's more noteworthy that once you actually started, like, you know, started exercising and whatnot, you feel, feel a big difference, which also when we take a step back, shouldn't necessarily come as a, as a big surprise. It's like, no, oh, it's well, not I'm... a surprise at all, but I'm <laughs> no, still like, no wonder. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no wonder once I start taking care of myself physically, whenever I start, you know, uh, to even extend it out uh, beyond exercising, but like, Oh, start implementing uh, or start doing the things that I enjoy doing, you know, the, the hobbies, my interests, my, you know, things like that, that we oftentimes forget about in moments of stress. Um, it's like, Oh, again, it's no wonder we're feeling like crap when we're not exercising. We're not doing the things that we enjoy doing, you know, falling deeper and deeper into that, into a rut. Yeah. And I kind of looked back on the past couple of months and noticed when I started getting, you know, more interested in working out and stuff, I got into small routines. So it started with me taking multivitamins and stuff more religiously like what when i'm supposed to it started because i was told i have arthritis in my knee and someone said this glucosamine kind of hydrate stuff don't know if i said the last word right 
whatever. Sounds, sounds right. They said it, it'll change your life. Cause I was like waking up with pain in the middle of the night. Like, so I started taking it, haven't had pain. So I've been taking those religiously. And then eventually it was like, okay, I'm going to start stretching. And then it got me into like, all right, I'm doing like my face skincare routine now. And I wasn't doing that. It, it picking up little routines along the way. We talk about it so much, but like that momentum and I can kind of see now where the momentum started and with such a small thing, such as taking a multivitamin in the morning. Yeah. It was a long rant with no ending and no question. And just, uh, let's leave it open-ended. Someone else take over. <laughs> That's how that ended. What say you, Kyle? Uh, I say, uh, yeah, no, that that's, that makes perfect sense. And I've had the same experience so many goddamn times, so <laughs> many times where, um, yeah, like Nick says, it's like, it's not surprising. Of course, it's going to make us feel better. What's more surprising is why we stop doing those things. Mm. And that's what I always get hung up on. Like, why does that happen? I think because you get used to feeling good all the time. You don't remember what the feeling bad part was like until you get there. Maybe that's what it is. And then you sit there for a while and you go, oh, shit, Mm. this doesn't feel good anymore either. Well, well, there's definitely something attractive to about like taking like the the path of least resistance. Um, Like there's there's something like deeply psychological, I think, to that, that like going the path of least resistance we think is like the right answer, Um, you know, because I don't have to try hard for it. Um, but that's definitely a misunderstanding and miscalculation. Cause like all, I would argue that all the, like all the good stuff in our life comes from a plate, like we had to sort of fight and claw and, you know, uh, try really, really hard to make it work. Um, we had to put in a lot of effort, uh, whether that be working out, whether that be, you know, maintaining your relationship, whether that mean, you know, graduating college or, or whatever, like all these things that require a lot of time, energy, effort, uh, out of us. Um, we, we cannot take the path of least resistance to do a lot of that stuff. Um, and yet those are some of the things that we value the most, right? But the things that are the, the easiest, most comfortable, most convenient things, um, again, the path of least resistance are oftentimes the things we spend the most time on, but we actually get the least value out of, right? So it's just a miscalculation, misunderstanding of, you know, where are the, you know, what, where happiness actually comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like, realize, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, 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 you go, you go. I just realized how selfish we are when, when Nick is on um, because we, we never really talk to Nick. Like, Nick, what, what do you do yeah. that, that challenge, challenges you or what, what's fun for you? Like, how can you relate uh, to, that, to that momentum idea? Um, yeah, um, wow. I wasn't, uh, I'm usually like used to being in the, in the therapist chair asking the questions. So I'm not used to the exactly. questions. Coming. Even when like some, yeah. I I'll let, whenever I start a session, be like, Hey, how was thinking? How was your weekend or whatever? Whenever a client like comes back, it's like, how was your weekend? I'm like, uh, I wasn't ready for that. Uh, what did I do this? Weekend? I don't know. Fuck. Uh, shit. Every time it happens. Yeah, not, we've never we've, for we've let you go five hours before we decided to, you know, <laughs> ask you <laughs> yeah. so single question. <laughs> um, you just yeah, have so much knowledge. We're trying to just get as much out of you as we can. Cause we're yeah. not going to help you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I experience similar things, right? Um, staying on track with stuff, staying consistent. Um, I mean, I go through the same sort of periods when I go to the gym every day. Um, I haven't, but right now I haven't been to the gym in maybe like two months, maybe. Um, yeah, but, but you know, you stay skinny because you're vegan. Mm. I eat everything. Yeah, that uh, I mean, it definitely helps. Be, yeah, <laughs> be vegan. Um, 
but so there, I mean, I, I think I'm just kind of hardwired in a way to, to, even if I'm not exercising like regularly, I still, for the most part, like eat healthy. Well, kind of, I mean, kind of have to being vegan, but, um, what the fuck is your excuse for not exercising for that long? <laughs> uh, well, so just because I don't go to the gym doesn't mean I don't exercise. I go for walks pretty regularly through my neighborhood. Um, I'll go like for 15 minute walks a couple times a day if I can. Sometimes I don't, Ooh. I'm not able to get out, but um, it's a lot easier doing it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, ever since actually it started getting like warmer out, um, I stopped having an interest in it, which is usually the other way around. It's usually like in the winter time. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Just the guy that doesn't like to sweat. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think in the wintertime, it's more difficult for people because there's just like less motivation, less energy. I mean, every, there's so many obstacles. It's cold. It's, it's, you know, gloomy. It's just ugly. Um, at least not in, you know, Bali where it's beautiful every day, but, um, boring move on. I, yeah. But, uh, for six months out of the year, it's just a horror show here. Um, and it's miserable <laughs> and cold and it's literally and, awful. <laughs> terrible. I mean, it just like last week was like the first time it's been nice and it's May. So, yeah. Um, it's the first time it's been nice since like September. Um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, I think usually in the winter time, people like really have a hard time with exercising for me. It's like the other way around. Like I better at going to the gym, I think in the winter time and in the summertime, I don't want to go. I want to like enjoy, I want to be outside. Um, it's definitely a boredom thing. Cause like you are one, you're, you're a social butterfly, Nick. You like to go out. You like to have fun. That's hilarious that you said that. I think you, well, <laughs> Whenever That's we hilarious. go out, whenever we go out, you're the, I don't yeah. know, you're, you're kind of driving a little bit. You're like, let's go to this fucking place. Let's keep the night going. Like you like to. That, that is hilarious that that's your perception of me. Because... You do. You like to keep the night going. Well, okay. So, right. So I am to my core, very introverted. Okay. COVID, COVID was like no problem for me. I, if I never have to see ever, anybody ever again, I'm like totally fine. I, well, I'm, I'm not saying you're not comfortable, you know, yeah. with COVID and stuff like you're fine with that. But I'm saying I feel like when you go out, you like to you like to go out. Yeah. With, so, with certain people, like with the main crew, it's like. Yes. It's so I so yeah. I describe myself as being an extroverted introvert. I'm introvert. I'm introverted to my core. But when I'm with the people that I that I like, that I care about, that I know that I'm comfortable with, then you'll see a whole different side of me. I'm definitely more social, more outgoing. Yada, yada, yada. But um but like to my core, I'm incredibly introverted. I'm totally fine staying home every day um, until I want to travel and then I want to be out and about. But um, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine having like no social exposure at all. I'm very introverted myself. Yeah. I don't leave the house unless Michelle makes plans. <laughs> That's it. I think you said something in there that was uh, about about exercising, and then um, you said, "Well, just because I'm not going to the gym doesn't mean I'm not exercising." I think that's a good lesson for me, particularly, and maybe other people. It's like when I get tired of the gym, I just stop exercising. Mm. I don't like. I don't consider that there's alternatives. That all right, just because this isn't interesting me anymore, I can switch to something else. It's like. It seems to me like either you're consciously keeping it in mind or, or maybe it's unconscious, but it's like, well, I need to move my body somehow. So if I don't want to do this, I'll switch to this. And that, that's probably useful in all areas of life. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I want to just point that out and keep that in my mind. Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, really good. Um, yeah. Sometimes you're not going to be like have access to, 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 you know, to everything. Maybe you're, you know, on vacation or whatever, and, and you're not able to, to go to the gym the same way you would or, or whatever, you know, life, life gets in the way prevents you from not being able to gym. And that's probably, you know, 
following kind of your logic there, maybe that's why, why it's uh, easy to not be so consistent, um, or like, or, you know, to, to get trapped and, and end up not going to the gym every day, uh, just using that as an example. Um, because, you know, there's, it's an inevitable that something's going to come up, it's going to mess with your routine and, you know, going to lead you to not go. And then once you don't go one day gives you, you know, it's that voice in your head is that much stronger to tomorrow to be like, Oh, we didn't go yesterday. So like, what's one more day. And then before you know it, it's been months and months and months and you haven't been back, but, um, but there may be some way you can kind of channel that into like, Hey, well, maybe I can't go to the gym today, but maybe, you know, do I have five, you know, 15 minutes to spare today? Probably. Right. Um, I probably have 15 minutes somewhere and maybe I can get a good walk around the, around the block and come back. And although that's obviously not the same, you're not getting the same workout. It's not going to be, you know, as adrenaline pumping, you know, as, as a workout, as a full workout at the gym, but it's something. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say too. Exactly. Because especially like, let's say Chris and I do powerlifting sometimes, let's say my goal is to get stronger and stronger. And all of a sudden I don't want to go to the gym part of my brain goes fuck a walk what's a walk going yeah i'd rather I want not heavy weight on my back yeah, yeah 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 but the fact is that there's a lot more to exercising than just reaching a strength goal or something like that it's good for your mind it's good for your body blah 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 so it's mm. like that all or nothing mentality has it, it it's been very detrimental to me over the years uh, and I, sure. would, I would like to switch to walks sometimes if I, i'm not doing anything else for example yeah. 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 The all or, all or nothing thinking, that's like one of the most common, um, what we call like cognitive distortions. It's like the games that our mind likes to play on us, um, to convince us of things of like, you either have to be all in or all out, um, when in actuality, um, as is true in, you know, in, in, in life in general, but in like in all things is like balance is probably the best bet for pretty much everything. Right. Um, and it goes for, for this too. I don't necessarily always have to be all in or all out. Um, there's a way in which I can find something in between. Yeah, I feel like I had that mentality when I first hurt my groin. I was like, I can't go to the gym. My groin's blown out. But I could have done some upper body exercises or something. But sure. I was thinking, I just like to squat and deadlift, really. That's all I want to do. Yeah. So that's all. Well, well and just go. just the, you know, something I, I talk about, and you just said, Kyle, as well, is just like the, the like physical health versus mental health and like how interconnected they are. We oftentimes think of them as separate like things, but they're, they're not right. They're clearly intertwined. You can't have one without the other, right? If you're physically not taking care of yourself, you're probably also mentally going to feel the repercussions of that and vice versa, right? If you're not mentally in a good place, you're probably physically not going to be in a good place, right? So maybe that looks, you know, if I'm mentally not in a good place, maybe that means I stop going to the gym. I stop eating well, you know, I stop doing the things that make me feel good, you know, and it works the other way as, as well, right? If I'm not again, feeling good physically, it's going to contribute to mental health and creates this, you know, um, chicken or the egg sort of scenario, which is, which is hurting me worse, which is contributing to what, but, um, but there's definitely something in that, that, um, that again, if I can just keep, keep moving in a, in a positive direction, like physically, um, just using that as an example, but, um, that's also going to contribute to, to your mental health being better too. Sometimes I wonder, um, in the same way that, perhaps an anxious person knows that an avoidant person isn't good for them, but it feels comfortable. For mm. example, sometimes I wonder that in your same situation, Chris, you get an injury in that type of situation or other similar situations. Some part of me goes good. Now I have an excuse to go back into my comfort of doing nothing. And like the depression blanket, um, it's like some part of me 
wants to go back into that. Like not not consciously, of course. You know, it's not good for you. But uh, does that does that make sense at all? I think you're talking to you, Chris. No, I thought he was asking you if it makes sense that he has. I guess I'm talking to both of you. But but like for example, I thought you were just referencing. (laughs) Oh, I so you you said Chris, so I thought you were referencing like asking that question to Chris. My fault. Yeah, yeah, but but all these things that we do that are good for us are hard and. Mm not doing them is easier so it's like i I guess i guess i'm kind of answering my own question before my own thought before it's like of course going for a walk is better than doing nothing but some part of me wants to just do nothing Mm. it is fat and lazy and awful as possible yeah but is that the 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 voice that's good for you right of course not right Uh, so that's feed the good wolf right right so bad Right. And, and so those are those, you know, we were talking earlier about like the automatic thought, right? That's, so we have like this negative, um, you know, automatic sort of reaction, you know, framing things through, you know, through a negative light or um, again, having that sort of that, that um, pessimistic voice um, that's telling you, pointing out all the bad stuff and um, how everything, you know, why you should just take it, take it easy and not, you know, mm-hmm. not try hard kind of thing. Um, that's a voice that we have to have to challenge, right? Cause it's a voice that's, you know, within all of us, right. We all have that, that voice for sure. That tells us to, to, to take it easy and, and, and to not push yourself and uh, go the path of least resistance. But, um, but we've also listened to that voice many, many a times, and, you know, ultimately didn't bring us where we thought it was going to, right. It didn't make us feel any, because I think there's something to that. Of like, Oh, if I take the easy route, that's going to be safer and more comfortable and easier, you know, safer, more secure whatever. But, um, actually the opposite is the case it actually makes us more uncomfortable right but you know as evidenced by you know a lifetime of you know of experiences doing that right taking the path of these resistance yeah chris can you do you think any part of you had that reaction when you had the groin injury like of course there's a part of you that says fuck now i can't squat and deadlift but was any part of you like this is an excuse now to take it easy for a while did you have that yeah, I mean, we've talked about my FIFA addiction. It was like, okay, now I can just fucking grind FIFA all the time. Do you just, feel good when you grind FIFA, though? When I get that, it's, it, it's essentially like gambling. There are mm. times where I'm down. There are times where I'm up. It's the ride, baby. <laughs> yeah, so adrenaline's pumping for sure. Yeah, but if you, but but if not you played, in a good, healthy way. <laughs> yeah, but if you play FIFA like every day, though, all day. Oh, every day, all day? No, I could not do that. Yeah, I mean, there are days where, like, I wake up early on the weekends, and if I have nothing planned, I'll sit at my computer for a, quite a, a few hours and just bang games out. Yeah, well, the reason I say that too, uh, and I, I can't remember if we said this or said this in one of the other pods I was on, but, um, like, I think COVID really opened a lot of people's eyes to to that too. So when COVID first hit, you know, and the whole world got flipped upside down, and we all had to stay at home we couldn't go out we can see our friends we can go to work you know we just kind of had to stay home um where did everybody's mind go the path of least resistance what's the easiest most convenient most comfortable thing i could possibly do it's sit in front of the tv watch netflix play video games sit on tiktok instagram um you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh and i think if you were to ask you know if you were to poll people uh, or to tell people before the pandemic like all right i got this proposition for you right um take the next month off, right? Don't go to work. Don't see your friends. Don't like, don't even bother leaving. You got everything you need right here. Uh, just play video games, sit on Instagram, watch YouTube videos, 
like just take it easy uh, i think pretty much everybody you, you know universally would be like um am i getting punks like that sounds like the best thing ever like obviously Sign I, me I, would, I would choose that over anything like li that's literally the best best case scenario for my life would be to sit home for the next month and do that well uh, that's that's coming from someone who's a self-proclaimed introvert so it's sure. important to note that sure sure yes that's fair that's fair but um but even extroverts i think can find that that stimulation that they're looking for out of social engagement through instagram and so you know whatever social yeah. media is pretty again that's very stimulating but um but anyway uh but yeah so that happened right at the beginning stages of covid and then a month or so into that experiment um i got flooded sort of inbox, you know, with new clients and everything coming to me saying like, I don't know what's wrong, but I feel like shit. I feel miserable. I'm anxious. I'm tired. I don't do anything. And, and I don't understand because I don't do anything all day. It's like, right. Because you don't do anything all day. That's so why there, you... there was a noticeable uptick in oh, your client yeah. list. Oh yeah. I mean, never yeah. mind just life stressors with COVID and stuff and people are scared, you know, yeah. you know, uh, we understandably everybody got the shit scared out of them and, and everything. Um, but there's something to the fact that we, everybody just went the path of least resistance. Like what is the easiest, most convenient, most comfortable, simple thing ever, um, which is like to our own detriment. Right. And again, it, it makes sense, um, in a very basic level of like, oh, it's comfortable. It's easy. It's convenient. Like all things that seem like positive things on the surface, but obviously have a very negative down, like downs downside as well. Um, and that's, what it ultimately ended up looking like and lit, led me to believe like, no, we actually, we need structure. We need things that keep us busy. We need, you know, to stay productive. We need to invest in things that make us feel good. Um, that keep like, we operate best within, uh, like in movement, um, when we're, when we're doing stuff, uh, because we can't stay stagnant, at least not for a long period of time before that catches up to us. Right. And you both have sort of alluded to that when you stop exercising, we stop, you know, um, getting out of the house, whatever you, you, you feel it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I do want to note that when I said, fuck, yeah, I could grind FIFA. Thank God I got injured in my head. I didn't know it was going to be a two month injury, three month injury. So I just want that noted. I thought I had a week, but <laughs> you know, it fucking lingers right? because I'm old. <laughs> so I just want to note that. Yeah. Even on a weekend, if you have like all day where you don't have to be anywhere, do you play FIFA all day? Like, is there days, like, how do you feel on, on a day when you do that? Well, I don't typically do that. There's like, I'll either go out with Michelle, we'll go out, get drinks, get dinner. I'll do work in the yard. Mm. I mean, maybe a past me, like pre me and Michelle separating, I probably would have done that. Mm. But now I'm kind of in like a mode where I'm actually doing yard work outside and trying to make the house look good. Um, you know, just exercising now for three days. Well, and doing some of that yard work is also, you know, under the umbrella of exercising. Yeah, I'm well. out there, you know, doing manual labor. So I'm moving and feeling better. And that might have also gone into the whole momentum thing that I didn't even mention earlier. Just me starting doing small projects around the house. For sure. Yeah. So having small goals and achieving them. Yeah, it's that sense of fulfillment. And that's why FIFA is so addicting as well. I just want to point that out. There is like a sense of fulfillment there where they have this reward system. So I need to, on a given week, I need to win a certain amount of games to qualify for weekend league. And that's where all the best rewards are. Right. And in weekend league, you get 20 games. And depending on your record, 
you get better rewards. So the goal for me is to get 11. So Nick and I, right now, you're just saying, uh, so they just came out with this new crack. They got crack and they put more crack into it. And this crack, when you smoke it with it, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I am explaining, you know, why it is so addicting. And I'm not like, I'm on plenty of FIFA, like subreddits. Yeah. But everyone always says like how addicting and like the cycle of the game, it's just... Mm. it's an addicting grind because there are those fulfillment, like that sense of fulfillment. There are goals you're achieving in the game, you know? Well, and there's something to that too, like separate from, from FIFA, there's like implement, there's, there's pieces of that that you can implement into, into your life as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I've done that with the yard. I'm making small milestones and, you know, something tangible. Yeah. If you know that that's something that like taps into your motivation uh, that you, you know, you're motivated to, to play the game, play the matches. Cause then you could get into the weekend league and whatever. Um, again, I don't know what any of that shit means, but, um, yeah, but you, you can, get it. you get it, <laughs> but you can, uh, you can again, pull, pull out like, all right, what is it that's actually driving me to do this? Um, and try to implement that as best you can into your, just your lifestyle routines and stuff. Um, you know, and maybe it is, you know, maybe there's some sort of like reward system you have to build into, into the model too. Michelle's um, going to have to start buying me shit. <laughs> when I do stuff around the house, like cool shit. Or maybe I just buy myself a little something after I achieve something. I get myself a little treat, take myself out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, a reward system could look like a lot of different things. It could be looking, it could look like buying yourself things for sure. Yeah. So when I, when Michelle's asking, what, what the hell are you spending so much money? I'm going to say, look how much I'm doing around the house. Look at it. Yeah. That's so nice. That doesn't Ooh. sound healthy, but I'm going to try it. Um, well, well, as long as it's not like, you know, oh, I, uh, I, you know, I did this one small task and now I'm going <laughs> to reward myself every time. Um, I mowed just the front lawn. I'm going to go to the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> right. But if there's because like, Nick said so. Yeah. yeah. Nick said I need rewards. <laughs> this is me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My therapist told me I could go to the strip club. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'll do. We've been going for hour and 21. Yeah, I feel I like say, anytime you're on, like we, we could just, just go for, we could turn this into like an episode of Rogan where it's like five hours, mm. but we're going to cut it here. Are you going to get canceled for mentioning Rogan? Or? I think so. Probably. I mean, I, he is the devil. That's what I hear. It's the yep. keep telling me. He's friends with Elon Musk and Elon Musk showed his dick to somebody. So, And now he owns Twitter. I think that fell what through. What a world. Um, did it? I think I thought it it was confirmed. I thought he bought it. It might have fell through. You know, depends. Google it. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass. Like almost a million percent sure. All right. He bought Twitter. (laughs) Well, who knows? I'm almost a million percent sure that actually means nothing. But um, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look it up. Who owns Twitter? Elon Musk. Told you. No, you Googled it? Yeah. No. What do you mean? Elon Musk. You got to dig deeper than that. So he has like a controlling stock of it or whatever. Um, oh. yeah, he, he wants to, at least he's claiming he wants to get rid of um, censoring and shit. Okay. Here's the thing. I, I Googled Elon Musk Twitter deal. Elon hmm. Musk says Twitter deal on hold. Hmm. When? But also eight hours ago, Twitter stock falls below where Elon Musk bought it, turning a 1.1 billion profit into a $40 million loss. Yeah. So there was like rumblings. He was going to buy it 
And then I think they came out with a news report that he like actually wasn't going to buy it. And then like he ultimately did buy it though. I'm pretty sure. Um, well, stock is on sale. So buy the dip, everybody. Josh, Josh would tell you that from our last episode. Yeah. Stock market <laughs> is crazy right now. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't want to touch it anymore. I'm in, but I'm not going anymore in for a little bit. Yeah, it's a mess. Whatever. It's a mess. Um, but we're going to wrap this up because I got to go to bed. I'm oh, tired. Yeah. Nick's tired. I, I need to go to bed like hours ago. Yeah. So that's my bedtime, y'all. Kyle, any closing remarks? Thank you, Nick, so much for coming on. I'm sure you've heard me in past episodes say how excited I am for you to come on. And uh, uh, you, you are my, oh, I don't want to say it, but you're my favorite guest. <laughs> oh. Anxious. Wow. Well, well and, and I'm, all, I'm the only recurring guest, so I feel like that, that feels that, like a cop Yeah, out. that's a big part it's a cop of it. out. It's a cop out. Whatever. No, it's not Whatever, a cop Kyle. out. The recurring, the, the amount that you come I on this show just you. shows how much we love you. Yeah. Uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, you want to get Nick on now that we have video? And he goes, I've been clamoring for Nick for weeks. <laughs> I was like, and during the, 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 the 50th episode drunk cast, I was embarrassed wait. when I went back because I was like, I love Nick. I love that guy. Yeah, that was never released, but you should clip that and send it to Nick. I think you also peed no. in a bottle during. Oh, you need to send it to me. Yeah, no, because because uh, they were yeah after the drunk cast, you put out an episode reflecting on the drunk cast, and you guys were saying stuff, and I'm like, did they say that? I'm like, did I miss an episode? Because I feel like they didn't say that. There's uh, another. Uh, no, no, we no, did not. We can't. Posted. We can't. Are you fucking kidding me? I thought we did. No, we can't. No, I was just I saying. You, no, you guys, you guys were talking about it uh, about like all the things you said, and I'm like. Did I miss that episode? I like maybe they're reference. Like maybe I'll have to go back and listen to it again. I don't know. Um, oh, but I'm. Uh, I definitely want to want to hear it then. Yeah, send it. Yeah, I will. It was bad. We had a lot to drink. It but, was great. It was a great podcast. I'm also interested in the podcast that you never put up about all the conspiracy theories and stuff too. I'm here for that. I'm always here for a good conspiracy theory talk. I think we have that somewhere. Send it. I think we can probably give Nick special privileges to just have all these unreleased episodes. I think so. Yeah. It's the perks of being a recurring guest. Yeah, exactly. That's how we pay you. Just uh, all it patient, patient, uh, whatever confidentiality too. Yeah. So we'll we'll fucking sue your ass if you tell anyone about what's in those episodes. (laughs) I will sue the shit out of you. I'll post it post it on uh, on YouTube on, on my own channel. It's fine. Imagine you get more followers than we ever got. And it's just because everyone's like, fuck those guys. I'm not going to follow them. And then you just get huge. Uh, Jesus. All right. But that's it for the episode. Thank you for watching. Download. Subscribe. Do all that jazz. Bye. This is life being bound to love.